So welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 135 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, here with this week's co-host, Julia. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I was going to go for a last name and then I didn't know if I should and I always get a bit freaked out with how to introduce people. It's Julia Frank, just so you know, get that all squared away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get the name in there. That's what we like. How are you doing, Julia? Should we, should we go straight in with the high-low? Because I feel like today's conversation starter will be juicy, so... Yeah, um, happy to. I'm I'm doing well. I know you like to start with a low, um, and I had my low actually just happen as I oh, was no. preparing for this. The out the like squishy bit of my Bose headphones just completely popped up, and you know when you just have something that you just love, it's like my Bose noise canceling <laughs> headphones are like my go to for everything. Mm-hmm. I wear them all the time, and so it was just like oh no. <laughs> That is just... You feel like betrayal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when something is so small, but so needed for your daily comfort and productivity and success, it really throws you off when it's not yeah. not there anymore. Yeah. What about you? I feel you with that one. I've done a really great job of not thinking about what my high-low would be. So 10 out of 10 podcast host points to me with that one. If I were to have to pick, I'm going to pick a real first world problem niche low here. So I am Because those headphones aren't first world. <laughs> I'm joining your level, Julia. I'm with you. So I am a sucker for Facebook ads. And I find that it's okay because I'm self-aware that I'm a sucker for them. You know, I'm not a I'm not being duped by them. They've done very well. They know what I like and they give it to me via ad form. And I had an advert the other day for a gin subscription. Already they've they've hooked Ooh, me. With right that. up your alley. <laughs> and you get a bonus if you sign up of six. Christmas gin crackers. So they're Christmas ah. crackers with tiny portions of gin and little tonic cans in them. I mean, I've never moved so quick in my life, Julia. I was signed up ASAP. However, the crackers were delivered yesterday whilst I was at my parents' house who were in my bubble and my neighbor's taken them and he won't answer his door and he's in. And I've WhatsApped him and he's read my WhatsApps and ignored them, but he has my gin crackers and this might just be the keeping start. them of neighborhood walls, I don't quite know what to do. So that is my very first world problem low, is that I'm without my gin crackers. Now the subscription box has arrived, so we've got half of the the purchase, but the bonus, it, it's not in my possession and I, I don't quite know what to do about it. You just imagine your neighbor being like, nope, mine, sorry. Yeah, right, Wrong like, number. snooze or lose, find us keepers. Who knows, I'm still pretty new to the area, so I feel like I want to be careful with my impact on the neighbors, so. I might just and give accusations it accusations on the podcast. Exactly. I don't think they listen. They they often look in because the way my office is, the windows are out on the close. Um, and I'm sat here with, you know, filming setups and this big ring light. They must, I don't know what they think I do for a job, but they probably find it quite odd looking in. So <laughs> we'll wait and see what their conclusions are. But anyway, that would be my very surface level low but you know what i'm gonna take it what would be your well, i hope you get your crackers Thank i mean you. you still got time for christmas so yeah i was i'm just don't know i'm just a bit upset really mainly because i know that was why i bought the whole thing in the first place <laughs> i was absolutely duped and i think i feel you know a bit hard done by so i will update isn't it funny because if they would have sold the six crackers you might have been less likely to actually buy them if that was the product yeah i wouldn't have just bought them <laughs> But I bought something I didn't really want or need because I wanted these things, which actually I realized the RRP of them is lower than 
the actual subscription that I've bought into. So overall, so they've got I've, you. Those Facebook ads I've really basically been conned and I am Facebook's you. main victim. So really proud of that one. What about your high, Julia? <laughs> Onwards and upwards. <laughs> onwards and upwards yeah high is is mostly kind of business related i feel like we've chatted about this a little bit briefly about kind of just getting all the ducks in the row coming up to the end of the year and so i launched a newsletter series a couple of weeks ago it was really in the making for like over a year and i just prioritized it i got someone on board to help me with it and yeah i'm really excited it's kind of falling into the place kind of getting into the rhythm of things and just having a process. I'm such a process-driven person to like mm-hmm. see like content we out. plans. I know. It just makes me so happy. So I was working on that recently. And so that would be be my high to kind of just see that really, yeah, coming to fruition. I love it. It's so exciting when you see things getting to that final stage. Because I mean, I know we we mentioned that newsletter months ago when we were coaching together. So I know with those kind of projects, I think you never quite get how much work will go into it, especially when it's something digital. It can be easy to think like, oh, that's an instant thing. But when you've gone through the process of the prep and the planning and the work, and then it's out there, that's such a satisfying moment to go, here it is, I'm done. It's it's so satisfying. And so satisfying too, to like, feel like when you start something new, it takes the most amount of time. Mm-hmm. And then once you kind of do it more often, it you know, you settle into rhythm with it, it becomes clear of what you're looking for and what you're trying to communicate. And it's getting to that point where you're like, oh yeah, this is this is no longer this like, oh my God, how on earth am I gonna do this? But like this is starting to shape itself, starting to come together in the way that I would like it. And so that's always a really nice kind of satisfying feeling. Yeah. Like the, the toddler stages almost are done and you've kind of found your feet with it and you're a little bit better at doing it. Always a nice phase to go into. Yeah. Despite you doing a really lovely wholesome high there, I'm going to go for quite a, again, surface level high, but to me feels important, which is that I have begun ordering my first ever Christmas decorations because this is my first home away from home. And I've really surprised myself. I think some might assume that my Christmas tree is going to be this very stylized and monochromatic and nice looking I was going to go with monochrome. (laughs) Yeah, well, it seemed to have gone down quite an odd route with it. We've got dinosaurs, we've got donuts, we've got felt rabbits in tutus, got a giraffe. So it's quite an eclectic tree. And I'm, honestly, I think it's it's getting me through these times, you know, it's just ordering probably quite overpriced random baubles. And I'm excited to see it all come together. I don't have a tree yet, but you know, I've got some I baubles. have actually started looking into Christmas decorations as well. I've always wanted to get, I think this is having lived in the US, like personalized, like, what, what, what are they called? Like when you put them on the fireplace, those like stockings. Oh, stockings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And with like actually names, like they're so over over the top unnecessary but like for some reason every single year i'm like i'm gonna find some and this is the year i might invest in them you should do it i feel like etsy not on the high street truva any of those places you're gonna have a lot of choice do you have a a fireplace or a mantelpiece where are they going we do have a fireplace you're not actually allowed to like turn it into a real fireplace understand Um, but we could could hang it somewhere yeah just a visual one it's quite nice i love that it's funny isn't it when you're an adult you get to make all your own traditions and I don't know. I think I find the thought of that more exciting and interesting than actually doing it. Things like that. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to buy all these things. And and then I'm, I don't know, I'll probably 
cut up my tree and go cool i mean i have to admit i already got some advent calendars and i might have already had some chocolates i mean 2020 (laughs) do what you need to do julia i was like it's 2020 i saw them on okada i was like you know what we're gonna get some advent calendars get the excitement up i got them quite early i got them actually way before november okay and then i was like you know what it's 2020 we're, we're going to start. Everything. We're just going to have some. Yeah. One of my friends, actually, Jess, if you're listening to this podcast, well done. She doesn't listen to the podcast much. So just wait to attest if she has. Um, she's actually doing a fake December in November. So her and her housemates, they put their Christmas tree up. They're doing advent calendars and they're doing a Christmas day on the 25th of November. <laughs> so they're doing Christmas twice. Now, I'm interested to see whether by December it's a bit you know, we've done this once, why are we doing it again? But I can really understand the energy behind it. You know, we need we need to pull through right now and having a fake Christmas sounds like a pretty good, good way of doing that. I think it's like in the US when you have Thanksgiving and you celebrate it with friends or some celebrate it with friends first and then with family. Mm-hmm. I, almost, I like that. Maybe it's like November, we turn into like the friends version of Christmas and then December, you just do it with family. I think that's a great vibe. Right, Julia, let's make this happen. We may be in a situation where you cannot see your friends, but maybe next year we're going to make that a thing. Please do not try it over Zoom. We've had too many Zoom things. Honestly, don't get me on another Zoom quiz. Just don't, no, no, nothing. I'd, I'd rather be alone and sad in the evenings than on Zoom quizzes. And I think that says a lot about the state I'm in. I have started, because a lot of my, I mean, like we are on Zoom now too, right? It's there's a lot of situations where it would be really nice to to FaceTime or talk to someone. And I've actually just gone for good old fashioned phone calls, mm. like taking a walk while actually just having a phone call is so nice. It's just it's very wholesome. Yeah, I feel like we're, we're slowly but surely going to to old ways in some ways. And I really like it. I love a phone call, too, because as well, like you can do a bit of multitasking. You can, like you said, you can be out for a walk. I don't know about you, but on FaceTime, I'm mainly just looking at my face in the top right hand corner anyway. So it kind of helps me to actually focus on what they're saying and probably be a better person to be on the phone to. So I'm with you on that one. I'm, I don't get it. You know, and you see those tweets that are like a, a phone call is my my worst nightmare. If you send me a message and I know you well enough, I will just ring you in reply to it because I just think phone calls, man, they get to the point, get, get the job done. Well, I think out of nowhere, phone calls could be quite weird, right? It's like if any you're not close to a person. I will ring, if I'll ring my no, friends No, because if you're friends, it's different. If if you're friends, it's different. And I quite like that because, you know, it's like if you have a random moment and just call someone, it's just so much nicer. But, you know, if you haven't spoken to someone in a while and then out of the blue, you get a phone call, you're like, oh, my God, what is wrong? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's understandable. like my initial It's like when you have missed calls from your mum. It's very, very concerning, especially multiple. You're like who or what has died or gone wrong? Is is it good news? Is it bad news? It's always a scary one. The worst is when you have missed calls from all members of the family and they yep. come at you from all angles. Always a scary one. Okay, so today's conversation starter is one that I feel like I've like dipped my toe into here on the podcast, but I am genuinely so excited and I don't know what that says about my personality because it's something that I have massively experienced over the years of 
you know, starting and growing this business. And it's something that I've only recently been able to put a language to. And you know, when you have those realizations and you genuinely feel like a weight has been lifted off your shoulders because you're like, oh, that's what that thing is that I keep coming up against. And that's how I can explain it. And this topic truly feels like that for me. So we're gonna talk about why success doesn't necessarily equal happiness and how we have learned over the years that those are separate things and the pursuit of success doesn't necessarily equal the pursuit of happiness too. I feel like a good place to start with this would be around actually what success means to us. I don't know about you, Julia, but when I think about this relationship between success and happiness, for me, it's always been the pursuit of success and the assumption, I guess, that happiness would come with that. So for me, success has always been the big driving force. What what does success look like for you? I guess, what's your relationship with success been like over the years? It's such a loaded question. <laughs> it's funny, right? Because when we talk about success, it's always a question I dread the most because it really changes over time as well. Mm. And kind of in various stages of my life, I've really seen success as completely different things, right? When I still thought I'd stay in academia, it would be, you know, being attached to doing a PhD and getting a professorship somewhere. And so it's something that definitely kind of changes over time. To me now, what it means is really being able to do what I want to do and make a living from it. Mm -hmm. And I've never kind of fit into... I would say, you know, the typical box. I've never kind of seen it as my career trajectory has never kind of been linear. And so to me, it's always just being able to make a living off of what I want to do next and what I find curious. Mm. And so for me, success is very heavily tied into financial independence and freedom. And it's very tied into, okay, do I have the financial resources to be able to invest in, in something I want to, to be able to have an experience I want to, can I, you know, reinvest that in the business? So it, to me, success is very much tied to finances, I find, because I don't want that to be a limiting factor in the things that I do. Mm. And kind of from a career standpoint, I see success as constantly evolving. And again, just seeing what I want to do next without kind of, I need to do multiple things to feel fulfilled and very different things to feel fulfilled. And I think that's why I have my own business just because I wear so many different hats. Mm. So success really is being able to evolve, having my business evolve with myself and potentially having multiple careers in my life, but kind of having that financial independence throughout. Mm. I'm so glad you said that though. I know that that question of, you know, what does success mean to you? It kind of feels like there might be a right or wrong answer or that people are going to judge us for it not being how they define success. But I think it's so important because it is so true what they say, of, you know, success means something different to everyone. And I think before opening up any conversation about success, you've always got to first kind of preface it by going, well, okay, this is how we are within this conversation defining success for us. Just because someone's definition of success may disagree with yours, that doesn't mean either is right or wrong because what needs to be true about how you define success is that it is true for you. And I think you giving those examples for that is really important. And especially with what you were saying there about the finances, I've definitely come up against that where for me, similar to you, money is an element of how I measure success, but it's not about the money itself, it's about what that then allows me to do or the impact that then makes. 
I don't right now have dreams or aspirations of, you know, fancy cars or jewelry or designer clothes or amazing holidays. Maybe that will be a way that I define success in the future. But right now, what I want from money is the freedom that it allows me to have and the ability that it gives me to buy, you know, gin crackers on Facebook at 10 p.m. in the evening. And, you know, just even that baseline security of not worrying where the next you know, piece of money to pay for rent or bills or food or whatever it may be is to come from. And I think even you touching on that is really powerful because it's, especially as women, I think us wanting money isn't something that is looked at in the most positive way, but reframing it a little bit more, not that it's bad to want money for money's sake, but I know that I resonate more with wanting money for what it gives me. And actually that is a really valid thing. And that's something that is re- yeah, really important to talk about. Because I also feel like a lot of times when we talk about success and you kind of get, I would say, the version of success that gets dangled in front of our noses in the media, right, of like fame. And a lot of times I feel like it actually just comes down to having that financial independence. And that's why I don't necessarily say money, because as you said, to me, it's not about the money. It's about Mm. what you can kind of do with that. And especially as women, I'm married and there's something beautiful about kind of having, you know, a, a joint household, but also just having that independence of knowing, okay, but like, if it were just me, I would be able to stand on my own two feet. And I think that's something that's quite important to me. And I can see that being something that's really important in the future. And similarly, my parents, their number one priority was always my education. And so once I have kids, I also want to be able to have that be the number one one priority of just being able to say, yeah, I want to be able to allow my my kids in the next generation to have an education and to have some of the things that I've kind of had throughout my life. And again, that to me comes comes down to financial independence. Mm. And I think especially seeing success as something that is allowed to evolve is really important. I know that when I started my business, actually financial independence or money as a whole wasn't something that I defined success by. I think partly because it just wasn't a thing. Like the business was so non-financially independent in any way. So neither was I. So I know at the start, actually what I was really motivated by and how I defined my success was by how much I was challenging myself and how much I felt like I was you know, increasing my capacity and and becoming better at what I was doing and, and waking up and feeling like I had something to achieve. And then over the years, you know, the impact that I have on others, that's also been a way that I define my success. And probably more recently, financial independence has then come into that as it's become something that is actually needed within my life. And I therefore then value. So I think first of all, seeing success as something that looks completely unique to everyone and has total permission to evolve is really important. But then bringing success into this conversation where we're going, okay, success doesn't equal happiness. I don't know about you, but there was a time, and there still are times I'll actually say, where I do believe that equation to be true. Now I'll definitely Mm -hmm. say I do not believe when I think about it that success equals happiness. But I would say for the first two or three years of my business, that was absolutely how I saw things. And what I found myself doing was constantly assuming that a level of happiness or contentment was gonna come with my next goal being achieved. I would go, okay, my next goal is to reach this level of income or do this launch really well or bring this new thing to life. And I would kind of pin a lot of future happiness on that goal being achieved. And what would happen is that goal would be achieved 
And then there would be another goal, which was 10 steps on from that, or another goal, which was double the size of the goal that I just achieved. And I realized that that chasing of happiness was just putting me in this cycle where it was like dangling that carrot in front of my face, but it was never actually coming true. Is that something that you can resonate with when you look back at what that relationship between success and happiness has looked like for you? Oh, 100%. (laughs) I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. And it, and mm. like you said, right, even though on a rational level, I know that's not true. I still have, I still find myself being like, well, I just got here. Like, wait, I, I expected that to happen, to magically happen. Yeah. And the way that I kind of also see it is in another way of like feeling established, kind of quote unquote feeling established or like feeling like, oh yeah, and you know, like I know enough and I knew like you know, going to university, I went to, to Brown University in the US. So I'm originally from Germany, kind of moved overseas, did my bachelor's. And then I just didn't feel like, oh, okay, don't really know what I'm doing. And then I did a master's and it's like, well, if I do my master's in psychology, then I'll know what, you know, mm. and you could go on and it's like, oh, well, you know, if, well, if I did a PhD and I actually, <laughs> I actually, when I moved back, um, I moved to London and not back, I just moved to London <laughs> and, um, and kind of started, you know, doing, running my own business and, and freelancing initially and, kind of built that and always have felt like, oh, you know, when I do this, then I'll feel more established. And I just never got there. And I felt like I needed, I needed another master's. So I actually enrolled in a second master's, the exact same, not same degree, but uh, both masters of science. And I actually stopped one semester in, which is the first time I have ever quit anything. Cause usually I'm like head down, grind my teeth, I'm gonna get it done. But I just had this realization of everything they were teaching either wasn't applicable to what I wanted to do or I had already learned or taught myself. And I just realized I was just chasing this feeling of someone externally telling me like, Mm. yes, you are now certified enough, uh, qualified enough to, and I think that's something that a lot of women talk about too, right? This whole notion of like, oh, I'll need another qualification and I need another this and I need another that. And actually that as cheesy as it sounds, a lot of these things come internally right? A lot of these things come from actually nurturing those emotions and those feelings of security and confidence Mm. and building your self-esteem. And so, yeah, it's a hundred percent something I can relate to. And it's still something I have to remind myself of like, it kind of feels like you're unlocking the next level of like, right? It's like, you know, um, we got engaged or on a personal level, right? I got engaged and it's like, oh, well, you know, the engagement, beautiful. I absolutely love my husband. But like, you know, you go back to normal life mm-hmm. <laughs> a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. And then like similar with the wedding, like we had a very small intimate wedding because of COVID. Absolutely beautiful day, like genuinely one of the best days of my life. I always thought people were lying when they said it. It genuinely was you're riding on a high. And then a week or two later, it's like nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I also think we overestimate the effect that these really big moments have in our life and how they're, you know, this is going to be the breakthrough. This is going to help me do this. And we really place so much weight on them. Mm. But actually, at the end of the day, it's the things come coming together over time that kind of build that rather than this one make or break moment. Mm. I wonder what that is about us as humans, which wants to attach all of this potential feeling. And like you said, this this very internal stuff with these very outward levels of success or these very obvious, you know, metrics for us to track? Like, is it a really sweet way of like hope and optimism shining through? Is I it- think it's because 
it's what we see. Because mm. I, I can't relate to how you feel, right? Like I, I obviously might have similar experiences and I might have similar feelings. And based on the way that you describe them or you talk about them, I could be like, oh, yeah, I, I felt this way. But I will never actually deeply know how you feel, right? I'll, I'm never going to be in your shoes, in your skin, whatever metaphor you want to use there. But I can see, for example, in your specific uh, case, I can see you launch a group program and you're very transparent with these things, which I absolutely love. But so all of a sudden, I can actually measure myself against that, right? Mm. I can be like, well, you know, uh, Alice did this launch and she had X amount of people sign up and she's four years into her business and she had X amount of revenue. And, and you know, there's it's very tangible numbers and it's almost like a very specific stick that we can beat ourselves with. Yes. Whereas the feelings we can't compare. And so we don't have a tangible threshold that we can compare ourselves to. So I do think personally, it comes down to just being able to see that, you know, if we see people get engaged, we see that beautiful picture on Instagram, and then you attach a feeling to mm. it that you think it's that all that's presumed, bring. right? It's all presumed, it's all projected. Mm. And it might be the truth, it might not be. Well, you know, at the end of the day, we'll never really know. But I think it's because kind of the more traditional measures of success we can see um, and we can measure ourselves against, whereas the feeling and the and the fluffy, fuzzy, mm-hmm. <laughs> fuzzy bits of it, um, we can't. Yeah, it's so true. And even as you're saying that, I was reflecting a bit of, of what that's looked like for me and thinking, well, why have I always attached, you know, a, a physical goal, you know, something like I want to have a launch that makes this much or I want to move out of out of my home and move into somewhere on my own. Like, I think for me, it's almost a search for solutions is why I attach a lot of other things to that. Because the answer to why am I unhappy or why am I dissatisfied being something that I cannot solve through doing a thing feels really frustrating to me. If I can go, okay, I feel unhappy. Okay, the answer to that is I need to make 10 more thousand pounds. Or, oh, okay, I'm dissatisfied with my life. Oh, okay, I need to buy a new car and then move out and live on my own. I like that transactional behavior between here is a problem that I'm facing and here is something I can do to solve it. We like correlation. We like linear things. Causation, right? This is going to do this mm -hmm. for me. But the problem with this is that that equation doesn't match up those physical things, those goals being achieved, those measures of success, those don't necessarily equal that kind of happiness or contentment that we're partnering it with. And I definitely have found myself in the past almost being on that cycle of disappointment where like the hope and the optimism is like, oh, like this is the goal, this is gonna be it. And then I'm gonna feel, you know, I'm never gonna want to do anything more. I'm gonna feel like I've made it. And then the second you achieve that, it's like you can't even stop to take it in because your brain, I think, especially for us as business owners and entrepreneurs, our brains are wired to constantly be looking for the next thing. And then I would find myself pursuing the next goal and being like, oh, but I I still don't feel any of these things that I thought I would feel because I had that thing in place. And I think for a while I thought it was because I wasn't, what's the word, like I wasn't grateful enough. Like, oh, I need to be better at being grateful and being like, I achieved that thing. And that's how much that meant to me. But the more things that I achieved, the more I realized they didn't actually mean that much to me. They were just my success going up and up, which was amazing. But they actually weren't having any influence on my happiness and how I was feeling personally. And I think it almost took me to try and make those two the same thing and really, really fail at that to then realize, oh, they're completely different beings. 
And there are times in my business where I have been incredibly successful, but deeply unhappy. And on the other side, really unsuccessful in my own words, no one else has said that, but then I know within myself, really, really happy. And I've almost felt a permission slip by separating those two of like, oh, okay. I don't have to try and pursue one with the other. Like they almost get to be treated as different sides to my life. And I think it's really interesting that you said, you know, there were times in your life where you were really successful and I've definitely had that as well. But it actually kind of going to the start of our conversation, it was never my definition of success. So when, you know, quote unquote, I looked really successful from the outside, but actually wasn't happy, it never was actually my version of success. It looked Mm. really good on paper. And somebody else could look at me and be like, well, you know, what do you want about like, but I was in kind of the wrong environment. I was in, you know, the wrong environments. I didn't get the things that really brought happiness to me. And the thing you kind of just mentioned, right, is like, they're two different pursuits. They're two completely different pursuits. And, you know, when we talked about our definition of success, I think it's also really important to define our definition of happiness. And to me... Mm. To me, kind of happiness is actually contentment. I think we place so much value on standout moments. And I have a couple of those. Our wedding, right? Getting engaged. Like there are standout moments. But the high that you get from those days, you can't, you can't have that on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Like that, like the endorphins, the adrenaline, like the, the oxytocin. I know this is the nerd of me mentioning all kind of the things that happen in the brain. But having so many standout moments is actually not necessarily something that every single thing can elicit. So to me, happiness really means contentment. Kind of feeling content and fulfilled and satisfied on a day-to-day basis is kind of my baseline of, of happiness. And... This is where a lot of times I feel like when we talk about success, and it's actually one of your measures of success is like the impact that you have. Mm. To me, that's actually a measure of happiness because I feel like in order to be able to, you know, change someone's life or have an impact or change the way somebody thinks about it, shift their perspective, help them, you know, create a career change. Mm. To me, that fulfills me. That brings me happiness. And that's kind of a measure of, of happiness for me is like, in my sphere of influence, have I made an impact? Have I changed something? Have I been able to positively make a change and transform something? I'm using the word change a lot, but that's really what ties into my level of fulfillment and my level of happiness. And the reason it's so important to me is because if I'm not feeling happy and I can look at what I'm doing and the work that I'm doing, and it might be a massive project that you know is going really well, But I might not feel happy because actually what brings me happiness is working with individuals one-on-one, having more more connection, having more contact. And I might be unhappy with a project or working with a client because it actually doesn't align with my definition of happiness or what brings me fulfillment. Another one is constantly having to learn. Like as cheesy as it sounds, I absolutely love learning. Like I go down rabbit holes, I follow the breadcrumbs, and I will just just, you know, I'll I'll not only Google everything, but also just read like five to seven books on one specific topic until I've kind of learned it. And that curiosity led learning really brings me fulfillment. Mm. And again, they're, they're very closely tied together because as I mentioned, my definition of success is being able to make a living off of what it is that I want to be doing and interested in doing. But in order to be successful, 
And in order to be happy, I have to do two separate things. Mm -hmm. I have to kind of go down two separate pathways and nurture them in two separate ways. Yes. And that never really clicked for me until very recently because a lot of times people say, oh, you just need to redefine your version of success. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to redefine my version of success, right? It felt like settling to me. It's like, no, that's, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have, in a lot of ways, I have a very traditional version of success. But when I then kind of, I was listening to a podcast episode on The Happy Place with Jay Shetty and he very specifically broke that down. And you know, when you just have, you hear something all the time and then it's just a very specific phrasing that makes it click for you. And he said, the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of success are two separate endeavors. And that's really when I was like, oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One doesn't unlock the other, but if I treat them as almost two separate projects, then you can find both. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what's so key here is understanding, okay, for you, what do those two sides look like? How do you measure success? How do you measure happiness? And it's interesting with you saying like even part of how I would measure success is more how you would measure happiness. Whereas I think for me personally, how I measure happiness is probably more around how I'm feeling I feel like my happiness isn't actually that attached to the business. Probably was happier. I don't, I don't mean to sound really sad saying this, but I think the happiest I've been was probably at the, the very early stage of the business when it was wildly unsuccessful and it didn't really have any of those things. It wasn't making money. It wasn't that challenging for me. And it also wasn't having that much of an impact. So I think for me personally, at this moment in time, my happiness feels quite disconnected from the business and actually very connected to me personally and the relationships that I have and the people that I'm surrounded with and what I'm doing in my spare time. And I think recognizing that those two are separate. So obviously they're then going to need different things in order to be met is so important because yeah, as long as you're trying to group them together, one is always going to be sacrificed. And I would imagine that most business owners listening would chase the success, but attach the happiness to that. And then it's the happiness that gets lost and you take a step back. I know I have and gone, okay, this business is, or, you know, what I'm doing is successful, not only in the way that other people are measuring it, but also in the way that I'm measuring it. But for some reason, I'm just not happy. And like you said, I've always feel, felt frustrated when people say, oh, you need to redefine your version of success. Cause I'm like, well, no, that like, this is my version of success. It's just not making me happy. Okay. That's probably a wider issue or an, an issue that sits separately to this success that I'm achieving. And it doesn't take away from the success, but I think it acknowledges as humans that we need to have the two, or at least I feel like I need to have the two in order to feel like I'm at my best. You've got to feel like you're achieving success, but you've also got to be happy in the process because having achieved success, but being pretty unhappy at the same time, I think earlier this year, I was definitely in a place like that. It's just, it doesn't hit the same, does it? No success is quite worth it when you're not happy in the process. Well, I also wonder to what extent we see happiness as something we have to earn Mm. in the same way that we kind of, you know, especially as, as I feel like business owners and especially, you know, when you're, it's almost like the harder you work, or at least I did this thinking back to kind of at the very beginning is like, I felt like I needed to work around the clock because I need to justify why I was going down this path. I need to justify why I wasn't in a corporate job why I didn't kind of go down the traditional corporate route. And 
I felt like, you know, well, once I'm successful, then I'll be able to, you know, really focus on, I didn't define it as, or I didn't say then I can, you know, be happy, but it's kind of the whole, like, I had to earn rest. I had to earn recovery. Mm. And similar, I wonder to what extent it ties into feeling like you have to earn feeling happy and earn kind of having these moments. Like what makes me really happy is on a Monday morning, taking a walk and like listening to a podcast. But like, yeah, Monday morning would probably be a really good time to also, you know, get on top of projects. But <laughs> again, it's it's almost being like, yeah, I'm going to invest an hour into my happiness today. And then I'm going to invest X amount of time into success. And I'm, and mm. this is where I think then, you know, the narrative around self-care is like, oh, you need to, you need to do this in order to be successful. I feel like it's like, take some time to rest and then it's going to be really helpful. It's going to increase your success. And I also think that's a really dangerous narrative because it almost means that we have to, it almost feels like we have to make self-care worth it. You again, have to kind of earn that time. It's like, well, you know, I'm going for a walk now. Where's that brilliant idea? Like, I'm, you know, I'm taking a step away from what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Where, where is it? Where is that magical idea that's going to pop into my head? But actually seeing it as actively investing in happiness, actively investing time into it and actively investing time into what, you know, you think is going to make you successful or is going to help you there is, is really important. Yeah, I love that idea of not seeing, not necessarily seeing self-care as something you do to help with your success, but actually something that is completely separate to that. And it doesn't purely exist to help with you achieving more success. And I think that's a, that's a whole mood for the world we're in right now, isn't it? Everything is like, okay, but how is that going to make you more productive? How is that going to make you more money or make you more success? And it's quite refreshing in a way to go, do you know what? This is not logical when it comes to my success. You know, taking a Monday off is not logical to get me closer to my success, but that success isn't the only thing that I'm going to value. And that does get me closer to my happiness. And it's, it's that balance that never quite feels like a balance isn't it of like you give some time to your happiness you give some time to your success and yeah it's really interesting hearing you talking about this because I feel like I'm probably a few steps behind you of and I don't know whether this is like maybe it's an age thing or a life stage thing but I think for me at the moment like success is still massively like where most of my headspace is at in terms of what I value and what I'm kind of really interested in putting the work in to achieve but I've definitely noticed this year especially how happiness has kind of snuck its way in there of I would never have come into this year saying that my happiness was something that I worked hard to achieve but I think I definitely had a realization in the first few months of this year that that balance was completely off and like oh for the first time I don't feel happy but I feel successful and that disjointedness is weird because in the past those two have always been the same thing to me. I presumed, oh, I've got success, so therefore I am happy. And I I don't think I'd ever really thought about it any deeper than that. And then when I was forced to think about some of my other emotions a lot in a deeper way, I think that became clear. And then it's interesting that once you realize that balance is off, then for me, it's been a journey of being like, okay, I maybe don't see them as, as important as each other. And I'm sure that will be something that will evolve, but I absolutely see my happiness now as something that, deserves some attention and time which is growth on where I was this time last year where it was just lumped in with success and it was kind of fell by the wayside in the process I was gonna say I kind of feel like I got a cheeky a cheeky head start there because you know maybe it is age but actually 
I have quite a different upbringing in the sense that both my parents um, have always been self-employed, but both my parents were actors. And in particular, my dad was a child actor. He started age six and kind of became very, very well known in Germany at the age of 16. And he essentially on all aspects, you know, had the fame and the success in the ways that you can, you you would define it. And mm. he was miserable. And that's something he's always talked about. And so I feel like a lot of times people reach that level of success or have to reach that level of success to be realized, oh, it doesn't make me happy. What else do I need to do to feel happy? And so I feel like I got I got a head start in that sense that like I didn't necessarily have to fully, you know, get to that level to realize, oh, that doesn't bring me happiness because my dad had always kind of, you know, talked about that of like really famous actor and wasn't happy. And as a as a small child, they were kind of still in, in the spotlight and we'd go to these red carpet events and like the most fun I would have is if my dad like made a joke at the table because he was like pretending to eat, you know, the the decorations which weren't supposed to be edible because I was like six or seven. And so I think I've kind of had this look into this world that I realized mm. this isn't it. This, you know, like mm-hmm. going to these award shows is really boring. <laughs> like they're just really long and really boring. And and my fondest memories are of like you know, us walking across the red carpet so they take pictures of my parents and then sneaking out the back to sit at home, like change out of our nice clothes and sit at home and get takeout. And I think I've had this look into actually, you know, fame isn't what it's made out to be. And fame also does not mean fortune at the same time, right? Mm. I think that's also a lot of times tied together just because you're famous does not mean... and this I think is talked a lot about in you know Instagram influencers of just because people have a lot of followers does not mean that they're actually uh, making any money from it so it is always this interesting view of like individuals who are in the spotlight or who are quite you know Germany's very different from the U.S. but there's so many famous actors in the U.S. who talk about this Mm. you know who talk about openly about not being happy during that period or or suffering from depression and in a smaller way, again, Germany's very different from the US in the way that, you know, actors are kind of seen in the media. But I kind of had that little <laughs> sneak, sneak peek into that world, being like, oh, this is this is not as cool as everyone makes it out to be. Yeah, yeah. Like you got a heads up. No, I love that. I think I'm one of the people where even maybe even if I've I'd had that heads up, I'm always a need to run into the brick wall to realize it's their kind of learner, which is not always a fun one in practice, but I mean, as long as you learn, right? That's the whole point of it. I don't know. I just find this conversation really interesting because it it's something I think I didn't realize I hadn't explored as much as I maybe thought I had. I think I thought I understood it for myself more than I actually do. And it's interesting to open this conversation up and think, okay, well, like, what do those two sides of my life look like? And how, even though I'm conscious now, that reaching the next goal in the business won't necessarily mean personal happiness. Actually, I'm still doing that a lot. Like even with my previous launch, I found myself and not not unhappy, but just a little bit, you know, neutral afterwards. And I wasn't riding this high, high wave, which I think you can assume other people do when you think they've reached a level of success or had something amazing happen. And I did find myself being like, oh, why do I feel this way? 
but in a way, I think normalizing reaching success, but that not meaning that you're constantly happy and on this constant high is a helpful thing. And what I don't mean by that is, you know, your success should make you unhappy because that's a, a conversation to be had about your, your success and whether that's actually something that you want. But I guess the permission of like the two can be in different places. You can feel incredibly happy and things not be that successful like amazing. Imagine if you had to be successful to feel happiness. That is not a world that I want to be in or a, a place that I want to run a business from. And on the other side, you know, almost just feeling a bit of permission to not always be a hundred percent happy and super amazing and excited and all of these things when you're in those high highs of your success also just makes me breathe such a sigh of relief. And that reframe you said earlier of swapping happiness out for contentment, I think is so valuable because I can reflect back and think like, oh, I always feel quite content. Like actually is my measure of happiness not that realistic? And I think a lot of that for me comes from looking at other people. I see someone else, you know, they get signed to do a certain project or they reach a, an income level or they, I don't know, get 10,000 followers. And I think, wow, you must just be beaming your way through life because of that thing. It's, it's funny how much we presume someone else's situation, even though when we go through it, we know that it's not the case. Yeah, and it, I guess it's unpicking where that expectation comes from. And then you set yourself up a little bit better for the next time and don't keep going into things thinking, hey, happiness sits on the other side of this thing because as it seems we both learned that just isn't the case. The two things I'd like to mention here is the first is like, I do think they are intertwined in a lot of ways, mm. right? If I think about times where the business wasn't going well and I was really worried about where the next paycheck is coming from, like, of course, that's going to have a massive impact in kind of my overall well-being. And so it's also okay if they are really intertwined. I think as we kind of saw, you know, some of Alice's definitions of success are my definitions of, mm. of happiness. And I do think it's so personal and they can be intertwined, but just kind of seeing that one doesn't necessarily have to facilitate the other. And similar to it is as well as you're as you were talking about it one of the things that our brains can't this is the nerd that comes out of me again because i studied cognitive science but our brains can't differentiate between reality and not right we know this when we wake up from a really terrible nightmare and we're in like mm. massive distress and nothing has actually happened but i wonder to what extent when it comes to these big things we're, we're working towards because we're working towards them, they have already happened. Mm -hmm. And so as we approach, you know, whether it be a launch, right, you you visualize all those people, you see how many are going to sign up, you like mentally already prepare for the emails to come through, so that when they actually come through, you've already expected it. It's kind of like studying for a test and getting an A. And you're like, well, yeah, I studied really hard. I expected to th get that. And so when we, when we talk about the things that actually bring us happiness, right, they typically are unexpected. They, you know, didn't, they came out of nowhere or it was a surprise, right? Like when we talk about things that actually cause that, like <gasps> that like moment of like ecstatic joy, mm. it's things that we don't expect in the same way that, you know, if you expect a gift, even if it's something you really want, really wanted, it's the exact definition of like, you said, I want this model and this size and this color and mm. the and you get it, it doesn't have the same, it's not going to bring you that same level of surprise and excitement than if you would have gotten it without knowing it. Mm. And so when it comes to these business milestones or these launches, to me, in a lot of ways, even before they have happened, 
everything has been put into place that A, I already have the expectation it's going to happen. I know it's going to work. And on the other hand, I've already visualized it happening. And therefore, like, I'm not surprised that it does. Similar to whether it be launching a podcast or even graduating, we go through these motions or these mental motions so often that when they actually happen, it's like, I wonder if that's why they're a little bit of a letdown because we're like, oh, well, yeah, I expected this. Yeah. The actual thing happening itself doesn't make that big of a difference anymore. That is such a light bulb moment for me when you're explaining that because it's so true. In a way, it does just feel like, well, yeah, that's kind of what I planned to happen. I definitely had that, you know, when I left school and then when I started the business and then, I don't know, even more recently, like when I moved into this house, I think you expect because you haven't done it yet. When you maybe see other people doing those things, you're like, wow, that must be a joyous moment where, you know, you... emotion just overcomes you and all you can feel is the happiness and joy. Whereas in reality, for me, all of those moments were quite mundane. And I I almost felt myself trying to force myself to feel that feeling like, no, no, we should feel like an overpowering joy and excitement here. And it's so true that when you've put in the work and you've taken the action to achieve it, it's kind of setting the expectation that the end achievement of it or the result isn't going to feel like that wave or rush of emotion and that's okay. And that doesn't mean you're unhappy. That doesn't mean it wasn't successful. That kind of just means that you planned for it well. And then the thing that you planned for happened. Definitely. If I reflect back on like what makes me happy in my business, it's not what I would think it would be, which is, I don't know, the opportunities or the milestones or the income goals reached, whatever it may be, or, you know, bringing on new team members. It's the tiny things like getting something in the post from a client or getting a really kind DM or being asked to do something out of the blue. Now, those aren't my measures of success, but those for me are what make me happy in the way that I run my business. And it's, yeah, it's just interesting for you to say that. And I feel like that gives me so much relief because the amount of times, Julia, I've walked around this house and be like, Alice, take it in, like take it all in, feel the, f-. and I keep waiting for this like rush of emotion of like, this is my house. But from what you said there, like that's probably not the most realistic expectation because yeah, it's it's the unexpected that gives us that immediate rush. And I guess, again, that's where that clarification between happiness and contentment comes because Happiness often is, you know, or I think of happiness as those high highs and those rushes of emotion, whereas actually contentment, it's a lot more steady. It doesn't have those high highs, but it's just a consistent feeling of like, no, I'm good. I'm feeling good in life. And I just, yeah, I find that such a fascinating way to explain it. You can't really plan for those high highs. Mm. And as you just said, right, if I think to when I planned my first kind of workshop and, you know, rented the room, and this was a couple of years ago when we still did in-person things. <laughs> and the most exciting moment was when somebody who I didn't know bought a ticket, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was about to go to bed. That email came through from Eventbrite. And I literally did a happy dance. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, like, look at this. Because, you know, people booking tickets that I like, you know, either individually spoken to or reached out to, like, to me, that didn't, I was, it was great. But like, again, I kind of like expected that being like, okay, you know, law of numbers, if you approach X amount of people, this amount of people might, might actually buy tickets. But yeah, somebody that I like couldn't figure out where they came from. And it's those moments that really 
fulfill us with that with that level of joy and that level of ecstasy because that's the endorphin rush mm. and it's so hard to plan for the endorphin rush it's so hard to plan for anything right like in comparison to if you think about the times that I had really lovely wonderful evenings with friends right and you maybe had a little bit too much to drink and you had those like random conversations until 2 a.m but when I've been like oh tonight's the night we're gonna have it no yeah. <laughs> like, that's not how it works it's not how it works. And so you can have all the factors and all the ingredients, but that doesn't mean that that's going to bring that rush. And so to me, it's kind of like why, you know, social media is so addicting or slot machines are so addicting because you're you're chasing an unpredictable high. But if you're just using contentment as a threshold, mm. being like, yeah, I'm pretty satisfied on a day-to-day basis, those natural highs are going to come because that's kind of how life works. But actually what I want is just contentment and kind of feeling that balance and not being caught in this in this roller coaster. And I really underestimated that earlier in my life because I always was like, you know, I'd have these really like down days and then really high highs. And actually smoothing the curves out is really nice. The middle ground is beautiful. Yeah, I feel that. It was definitely probably look at 2019 as this year of just constantly thinking that happiness or, you know, whatever one word you want to put alongside that sat on the other side of this next goal, you know, especially with what you're saying at the start there. And this is where we could take this conversation in so many directions, but the idea of, you know, I'm going to feel established as a business and I'm going to feel good enough and I'm going to feel like a good coach and I'm going to be someone that people respect once I have done this thing. And then what you find or what I found definitely is that you do the thing Obviously, that doesn't give you the measure of any of those things that you thought it would. And then surprise, surprise, you just have the next goal in place because that's how running a business works. It's one thing after another. I think it's so cool, actually, because I mean, how sad would it be if we would just be stagnant in our 20s? Imagine if we just were like, oh, okay, well, Mm -hmm. I have nothing left to do in my life. Like, (laughs) I think that'd be really sad. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I love running a business. I love that constant chase. I love the constant challenge, but I love it more now that I feel like I'm just chasing that metric, that goal, that success, and not also chasing my own personal contentment and happiness. And I feel a lot better knowing that my own contentment is within my own hands and it's not fully attached to, although it is very attached to you, but it's not the same thing as my business's success. And those get to be separate mm-hmm. things. And there are things that I can do to ensure I'm consistently content, regardless of how the business is going. And then I think I show up for the business's success from a better place because it's not all or nothing of like, okay, well, I'm either successful and happy. It's like, okay, I'm going to have like a baseline level of happiness and contentment. And actually then I am a better person to achieve success because I'm not doing it for the wrong reason, you can kind of see the goal for what it is. And I think makes that roller coaster an enjoyable one rather than a, okay, this is awful. I keep chasing the wrong thing. Like, why am I doing this? And I think it naturally comes from when you get a little bit more separated from your business, because I feel like, you know, as kind of personal brands and in particular, like when you're a one man band, I feel like it's so easy to have those be so tied together, but actually, and I've only realized this, you know, as the business grows and I'm not talking like financially, but just in terms of like, if you bring on people who are either contractors or working with Mm. you, there's other ways to define you. Like, you know, all of a sudden my success in my business can be 
how well I communicated something, how well I gave feedback, how well I, you know, how good of a leader I am. And so rather than I felt like when I was a one man band and my success was completely tied to my own action, it was really hard to then, you know, at the end of the day, close my computer and be detached from Mm -hmm. my business, right? It doesn't work that way. Whereas like, as I bring in more individuals, as I'm kind of growing, it then becomes different. And I think that's where running a business is dangerous in that sense, because, you know, if you have a corporate career, you kind of might work really long hours, but then whenever you're home, you're home. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, it kind of feels like every single thing that I do directly impacts how well my business is going to do. Yeah. And so having that little bit of separation, I think is quite difficult, but very, very important because I used to just be like, oh, the work that I put into my business directly is going to directly pay out, which doesn't actually actually happen that way. Mm-hmm. But now it's a little bit staggered. It's not a one-to-one correlation and that makes it easier to, yeah, to have that separation between the business and my own kind of personal life. Yeah, I completely agree. And then you get to show up for the business, I would say, with a little bit more risk as well. Because in the past, I felt like everything was riding on my business's success. You know, it was my personal happiness, my personal identity, and everything to do with the business's success as well, wrapped into one. And whilst I'm not going to pretend that I have this separation between the two, because for me, happiness and success. Oh, I definitely don't either. (laughs) I just meant a little bit more. (laughs) A little bit more. Yeah, I think I'm in that middle ground. Because then when I'm showing up for the business, I don't feel like I'm risking everything. I'm kind of just risking my success. I say that knowing that just risking my success, like that's the freakiest sentence to me because that to me is a, a lot of what I value in life. But it's quite nice to know like, okay, this this other section of how I feel maybe is detached from that. And so I can take more risks in my business or try different things out. And I don't feel worried that I'm gonna lose my happiness or contentment in the process. Mm-hmm. Almost by separating how you achieve both. I think you can go harder with getting more of both because you don't worry that achieving one's going to remove the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's almost like you don't have to wait for the other. I think, you know, when when we talk Mm. about retirement, right, there's this whole, what's that trend called where individuals like save up and invest everything to like retire early. And to me, it's always like, you know, why reach this point then do what you want to do? Why not, you know, take smaller breaks in between Mm -hmm. and actually do the things that you want to do and similar in the way like why wait until you're successful which who knows I do think a lot of success is to some extent still tied to a little bit of luck as much as I wouldn't like that to be the case I think oh I'd agree success is still tied to luck and and maybe people never actually achieve that version of success that they that they're striving for but you can reach the version of happiness that you're striving for and so not Mm -hmm. making one dependent on the other I think is really, really important. Yeah. God, I could talk about this all day. I feel like the listeners will have just heard my brain like slowly unraveling as we went through this conversation. But Julia, like what what you have to bring on this topic genuinely, I could prompt you to speak about for hours because it's so interesting. I find that understanding of the brain and the way that you deliver that kind of theory, I know you won't have been taught it in such a easy to access way. So I appreciate that you, you explain things in a way that anyone can understand. Oh, this has been so helpful. I do have one question just to end on again, just curiosity from my side. Now that you're 
uh, I'm, I don't want to say have this clarity, but are beginning to understand for you what that equation looks like, where success doesn't necessarily equal happiness. How does that change the way that you show up for your business? And I guess also the way that you try and achieve more of that success as you set goals. You know, what we're not saying to people is like, well, don't try and get success because it's not going to give you happiness. Success is great in its own right. How do you now show up differently because of the awareness that the two aren't necessarily attached? It's a really good question. I think I kind of want to start with the flip side of it is like, how am I, how I'm showing up in my personal life? Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was initially tied to, I invested everything in the business, right? Like mental energy, finances, and everything was kind of like getting this business going. And it's still very much at the stage. I feel like it's always going to feel like, you know, you're just at the cusp of like getting the ball rolling and keeping it rolling. And so, for example, a really tangible thing that I've started to do is, During lockdown, I started cook more because we're kind of, you know, inside more. And I saw I had this narrative around it like this is a time suck. It's it's, I'm spending too much time like preparing these meals like I could just, you know, be working on X, Y, Z. And that shift when I really addressed that, I'm like, why am I why am I spending so much time getting so worked up about the fact that like cooking takes time. And when I really kind of unwrapped that, it was like, oh, actually, no, I enjoy cooking. It's something I really enjoy. And I love, you know, I actually listen to your podcast on Mondays and I have like my my <laughs> podcast for each day and they kind of bring me through the week. And I realized I almost kind of like softened and I've always almost kind of like embraced that more being like, oh, these things that I really like doing, I, I don't have to do them for the sake of doing, right? I'll take a bath and I'll be like, oh, you know, self-care, I need to do self-care. I need to like yeah. unwind. It's functional. And now I'm, yeah. you know, showing up in my personal life. I just feel like I've softened around it. I have. I don't have that guilt around it anymore or that narrative around it anymore that it serves a function. It is just something that, you know, I invest in for my happiness. And to kind of mm. come back to your question of like with my business is I've really started to question. And I know this comes in a place where you're a couple years in and, you know, you again have that kind of financial foundation. But questioning if projects that I want to be doing are actually going to be something I enjoy. And Mm. it does come from a place of being able to financially be able to do that. Like at the very beginning, I literally said yes to anything and everything that could possibly bring money. But, you know, questioning, okay, so like, I think this would, you know, this would, this would be a really great project. This would be great for the business. But actually, what would that mean on a day-to-day basis? And what did that what would that mm. mean? Like, you know, and this can be really medium specific. Like, I love chatting. I love podcasts. But, you know, recording videos is a whole other ideal of like putting up lights and putting on makeup and, you know, all of this. And I'm getting really specific because I think it's really important because it's not one or the other. It's just really knowing certain individuals' things at work that, kind of fall into my strengths, fall into the things that I enjoy, that I'm good at, and knowing in what ways I want to challenge myself. And so being able to say, oh, okay, so if I'm going to do this client project, then I'm not going to work on that Monday. Or if I do this, I'm not going to. And so it's really kind of bringing in more buffers around it and looking at projects and being like, nah, I don't really particularly want to do that. Like I'm good at it. It Mm. would bring in the money. But I know that it does not make me happy at all. Yeah, it's almost bringing some of that happiness and contentment into your definition of success and not making them so black and white, but actually seeing how 
letting them intertwine a bit because they absolutely do. Yeah. And it kind of comes down to, I mean, this is a whole other podcast episode, but like, you know, having your values. And it's something that I talk a lot about as well. It's actually something I talked about in my most recent newsletter is just being really clear about what your values are, because then it's so easy to figure out, huh, don't really have a good feeling about this. Oh, it's because it doesn't align with this value. Oh, I have a great Mm -hmm. feeling about this. Oh, it's probably because it aligns with that value. And so showing up in my business now, really evaluating it in, okay, so this would bring more success for the business, but does it bring more happiness for me? Mm, I love that. Honestly, I'm I'm fascinated by this topic. And I'm even thinking now, the next time someone asks me, Alice, how are you? I will watch how my instinct is always to talk about the success of the business. Like they're asking about happiness. And I'm like, well, let me tell you about success because in my head, the two are the same thing. Thank you very much. Let me talk to you about it. And even thinking about it now, I'm like, do I use success as a bit of a hide for probably some of my unhappiness? That's a whole nother podcast episode within itself. But I feel like off the back of this conversation, I'm ready to go and spiral or or share some thoughts in a journal to, <laughs> to dig into this more. This has been so interesting. Thank you, Julia. If people want to get connected with your newsletter, which you've talked about, can you give people a, a quick summary of what it's about? Yes. Uh, so my newsletter is something that's kind of been a passion project. I've really thought about how I can bring more valuable content and more inspiration to help people live a better life. I'm really fascinated by that question of how we can create the life we want to live. And so it's a fortnightly newsletter with digestible content, actionable exercises, and kind of my favorite resources, which goes out every other Sunday morning. And I kind of see it as like we've just had a little bit of a virtual chat. It's like catching up with a really good friend in your favorite coffee shop. I'm very direct. So it's, you know, straight to the juicy conversations. And so I'll have Alice link it in the show notes, but you can also find me at Julia Frank on Instagram and it's in the bio there as well, if you want to sign up. Amazing. I will pop all of the links in the show notes. But Julia, thank you again for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I will say it once more, you've given me a lot to think about. I always love chatting. I'm excited to hear what the listeners are thinking as well. I mean, I'm excited to listen to this back because I feel like I've like, I don't know, I just feel like you've taken me on a journey. So thank you. (laughs) 